Healthy Hacker, Episode 6. Hello and welcome to The Healthy Hacker, where we talk about programming, puzzles, memory, fitness, diet, and everything else that you, a healthy hacker, find interesting. I'm Chris Hunt, and today we are going to learn the exact same technique that memory athletes all around the world use to memorize hundreds of random words, thousands of random digits, and stacks of shuffled decks of playing cards. Before we get to that, though, let's do the workout of the week. The workout of the week is a section where I take a workout that I've seen recently that looks fun, and I share it with you. And hopefully sometime this week, you'll get a chance to try it out, and I'm going to have to do it as well. So everybody gets to share the pain. This week is a little bit different. I guess this could be classified as a interval workout. I'm not really sure. But what you want to do is find a good amount of space, maybe a track or a field or a long stretch of pavement or a sidewalk, something, some kind of straight path. And what you're going to do is sprint 100 meters as fast as you can. And then once you're done running 100 meters, you rest 90 seconds. Catch your breath, do whatever you want, stretch out. And then when that 90 seconds is done, you run back to where you just came from another 100 meters. And then rest 90 seconds and do it again a third time and a fourth time and a fifth time. And you keep running until you've done it 10 times. So you're going to do 10 sprints of 100 meters followed by a 90-second rest. In the show notes, I've got a fun video of people trying this workout, and you can hear them complaining about it the entire time. So you can check that out at healthyhacker.com slash six. That's it. It's a simple one. I'm sure you all know how to run. Just run as fast as you can and enjoy those 90-second breaks. You might remember about a month ago, almost a month ago, on episode two, we talked about the body system. If you haven't heard this episode yet, you don't need to listen to it now, but you can if you want. It's at healthyhacker.com slash two. It's called pineapple in your pocket. And this is a cool technique that lets you easily memorize 10 things. They could be anything. I use it mostly now for a grocery list or to-do list. And the way it works is you take things you want to memorize and you visualize them and attach them to body parts. So if I wanted to remember milk, for example, I might imagine a milk carton wrapped around my foot and I'm walking around and sloshing milk and it's super memorable. So go listen to that episode if you didn't hear it before. It's a really useful technique for memorizing 10 things. And maybe if you want to memorize 11 things or 12 things, you could still use the body system. You just start adding more body parts. But what if you wanted to memorize hundreds of things, like like 200 things or 300 things or 900 things. I mean, that sounds crazy, right? You can't use the body system for that. You don't have enough body parts. And even if you did have enough body parts, you can imagine enough body parts to attach, like attaching something to every finger, for example. It just seems like a lot of work. It wouldn't work very well. There's way better systems you can use for memorizing many, many things. So today we're going to learn the most popular and most powerful technique for memorizing an unlimited number of things. If you really want to see some crazy memory athletes, check out the U.S. Memory Championships or the World Memory Championships. They have events like 15 minutes to memorize as many numbers as you can 
The world record for that is 937 random digits. They also memorize spoken numbers. So you'll have somebody in the front of the room saying numbers and they say a number every second. So they might do something like seven, 10, three, one, eight, nine. And then the people sitting out there, the people competing are memorizing those digits. And the world record for that is 364 digits. They also memorize binary, so zeros and ones and just random arrangements of that. Usually how this works is you get a sheet of paper that's just got a tons of ones and zeros on it, way more than you'd be able to remember, and then you have 30 minutes to memorize as many of those digits as you can. And the world record for that is 4,140 binary digits. And then there's also memorizing words at these competitions, and this is similar to like our grocery list that we did in episode two. You have five minutes, and you have a sheet of random words, and you memorize as many of them as you can. And the world record for that is 124 words. And then there's a few more events. These are all different difficulty settings. One is uh, names and faces. So you have 15 minutes, and you have a sheet of basically mug shots, and you memorize as many first and last names as you can with the pictures, and then you're given, after 15 minutes, a second sheet of paper, and you need to be able to recall as many of those names as you can and associate them with the correct picture. And the world record for that is 181 people. And finally, the last event that you do at these competitions, this is by far my favorite, is memorizing shuffled decks of cards. And this appears in two forms. One is you're given an entire hour to memorize as many decks of cards as you can. So you just have a giant stack of shuffled decks of cards in their boxes. And you just go through one at a time, memorizing as many of those as you can in an hour. The world record for that is 28 decks of cards. And then the last event that also involves shuffled decks of cards is called speed cards. And in this event, you're given a single deck of shuffled cards and you need to memorize that one deck as fast as you possibly can. The world record for this is 21.19 seconds. So there are people out there that can memorize an entire shuffle deck of card in less than 30 seconds with perfect recall. Now the truly best memorizers in the world actually get a special title. They get the title of Grand Master of Memory and there are only 36 of these people in the entire world. These Grand Masters are able to memorize 1,000 random digits in under an hour they're able to memorize the order of 10 shuffled decks of cards, also in under an hour, and they're able to memorize a single shuffled decks of cards in less than two minutes. The really cool part about all this stuff, though, is that these people all use the same technique, and it's the exact same technique we're going to learn today. It's based on the power of association and how our brains love association. Everything we think we know, we think we've memorized, all the experiences we've had, the places we've been, our minds remember that stuff by associating it with other things that we've learned and connecting the dots together. For example, if I say the word Ruby, what do you think of? Now, I'm a Ruby programmer, so I think of the programming language. I think of my laptop. I think of Vim, my text editor. Uh, maybe you think of writing tests because people who write Ruby are really into writing tests. Maybe you feel guilty because you don't write tests. I mean, that's something you could feel. Or maybe you're a programmer and you don't like Ruby at all. Maybe you think of the typical San Francisco hipster Ruby programmer wearing a startup sweatshirt and 
bicycle tattoo or something like that. Or maybe you're not a programmer and you don't know anything about the Ruby programming language. Maybe you're thinking of the color red, or maybe you're thinking of a friend you know that got a a ring with a ruby on it. I don't know. The point is, though, you're not thinking of the definition of Ruby. You're thinking of all the things that you associate with the word. And all of our memories are like this. Another example, if I say the word peanut butter, we have a whole different set of associations. First thing I think of is my dog, because every time I leave the house, I take a Kong, his little toy, and I fill it with peanut butter, and I put him in the crate. And then he eats that while I'm gone, and he loves it. Maybe you think of a picnic, or maybe you think of elementary school, maybe when you ate a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, or maybe you're allergic to peanuts, and the sound of peanut butter terrifies you, and you think of an EpiPen or something like that. Every single word that I could possibly say, you're going to have some kind of associations that you can think of, some memories or some feeling that word gives you. Our brains do this automatically. We don't need to try. There's no effort involved. We don't even have to think about it. We're just automatically associating everything with everything else in one way or another. And the really cool part is we can exploit this and associate anything we want with anything else just as easily as our brains do it automatically. And we can do this with our imagination. Now, if you remember from episode two, I tried to create these crazy grocery items and visualize them in this weird way so that you won't forget it. All that is, is imagination. And we all have one, and by using our imagination, we can associate any item with another item. Or we can take any single item and make it impossible to forget. For example, let's say I'm typing away at my computer, I'm working on something, I'm at work, and I remember, oh man, I totally need to get eggs on the way home from work today. Well, at this point, I could write it down maybe on a piece of paper and then remember to look at that piece of paper, or maybe I have a to-do list, I can put it in there, or maybe we've mastered the body technique that I keep talking about from episode two. We can use that to memorize the fact that we need to get eggs, or another thing we can do is just use our imagination and associate it with leaving work. So I might take a quick second and just close my eyes and imagine myself walking out of the office door and there's a carton of eggs sitting on the sidewalk in front of me. Now, that's a pretty lame imagination. We can make that way better and way harder to forget. So rewind. We're going to close our eyes and imagine ourselves walking out of the front door. And the first thing you notice before noticing anything else is this gigantic 200-foot chicken standing in the middle of the parking lot. And it's staring right at you. At first, you don't know. Like, is this even a real chicken? I don't know. It's holding perfectly still. Okay, so it's a little creepy, but not that big of a deal. So you slowly walk forward and just keep walking, kind of pretending like you don't see the chicken, just in case it is a real chicken. You walk through his legs, and finally, you're outside of the parking lot and on the sidewalk, and you can start walking home. It doesn't seem like that big of a deal, so you keep strolling. I mean, every now and then, you're kind of looking behind you just to make sure that the chicken's not doing anything weird. But all of a sudden, you start feeling really warm. Like really, like too warm, like you're burning almost. And you look behind you and realize, oh my God, the chicken is totally chasing you and he's spitting hot napalm. You can smell, you start running, you can smell the burning of your feet on the ground, on the hot pavement. They're sticking a little bit. The rubber's getting all sticky. The napalm is flying down to your sides. The chicken is for some reason singing the theme song to the Game of Thrones, the TV show. Bark, 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 bark. Oh my goodness. 
So now it seems almost impossible to forget to get eggs on the way home. And all we had to do was use our imagination. It took me a pretty good amount of time to explain that story. But if you're just closing your eyes, imagining it, it only takes a second or two seconds to think of that entire story. It's almost like a flash. So that moves us on to one of the most popular techniques for memorizing an unlimited number of things. And it's called the link method or the story method. And the way this works is you take all the things you want to memorize and you associate the first thing to the second thing and then the second thing to the third thing and then the third thing to the fourth thing and continue to do that until you've memorized everything it is that you want to remember. And most people do this with a story, which is why it's called the story method or the link method. So let's say you're going to come visit me in Portland, Oregon, right? And you're from another country. Let's say you're visiting from France and your plan on your phone is not going to work when you get to the United States. You know, you got a different carrier. You know that as soon as you get here, your dad is not going to work. So you basically don't have a phone, right? So now you have to memorize stuff and you really want to have a good time in Portland. So you're going to call me, you're going to send an email or whatever, and you're going to say, hey, Chris, I'm coming to Portland for a couple days. What should I do while I'm there? Well, I'm going to recommend a few things. The first thing I'm going to say is, well, you should definitely go to Powell's Books. It's a really nice bookstore. It's got a ton of stuff to read. You should also rent a bike and ride over one of the eight bridges that are in Portland because both riding a bike and bridges are very Portland things. Definitely got to experience that. You're also going to want to visit some of the microbrews. I think Portland has over 100 different microbreweries, so there's all kinds of crazy drinks you can try. And after that, you may want to visit Voodoo Donuts, which I've never been to, and I actually hate donuts. But every single person that visits Portland goes to Voodoo Donuts, so you might want to do that. And finally, the last thing you want to do before you leave Portland is go visit the Pearl CrossFit Gym, which is a really fun place to work out. You can go there and just work out for a day. You should check it out. So those are five things now that you want to do when you come to Portland, and you don't want to forget to do them. So instead of writing them down or putting them on your phone, you're going to use the story method to memorize those things. So one story you might imagine is closing your eyes and maybe you're sitting under a tree in your favorite park reading a book. You can hear the birds chirping. You feel yourself turning the pages. You're getting warm from the sunshine. And that's going to remind you to visit Powell Books. So now you're sitting there reading your book. And the next thing you know, hundreds and hundreds of bikers just start riding past you. There's some on your left, some on your right. You could feel the wind as they pass. You can hear them switching gears and you think, man, that looks like a lot of fun. So then you turn around and what do you know? There's a bike waiting for you. You grab the bike and you start riding it with all these bikers and you ride it across this beautiful bridge. It's kind of a great so you can see through the bridge as you're riding over it. You can see the water down below and all the people riding around on boats. And and as you're getting right to the end of the bridge, you notice these little teeny tiny little shiny things on the ground. They look like tiny little beer bottles. So you stop, you put your bike down, and you kind of get down on your hands and knees. And you're looking down at the ground to see what these things are. And they're microbrews. They're teeny tiny two-inch beer bottles. And you can't really see the labels because they're really small. So you get down even closer and whoop, you start slipping off the bridge. So now you're falling, you're in the air. It's terrifying, right? Oh my goodness. But you can look down below and thank goodness there's water. You're kind of moving your arms around in the air trying to navigate yourself to somewhere safe. And what do you know? 
right there in the water is a gigantic pink donut floating. So you kind of just pop your arms out and boop, land right on the donut. Amazing. Now you're floating down in the water on your pink donut, not an inner tube. To your left, there's some people on those little paddle surfboard things. And to your right is a dock. It's got some people on it over there. And you're pretty comfortable. You're not really terrified anymore. So you kind of just start snacking away on the donut. It is a donut, right? So you work your way through the donut. It's pretty delicious. Tastes like cherry. It's kind of soggy because you're in the water. And you keep eating it until eventually you've eaten the entire donut. And now you're out kind of in the water just treading, trying not to go under the water because now your donut's gone. And you're getting kind of tired, actually. This is a lot of work. Now it's kind of getting scary again. So you're trying to look around, see see where you can go, and you're paddling and swimming and really starting to run out of breath. And oh my goodness, you start going into a full breaststroke. You can feel yourself working up a sweat, even though you're in the water. And finally, you make it to the shore, totally winded and ready to leave Portland. So that little story is all you need to remember to go to Powell's Books, Ride a bike over one of the bridges, try a microbrew, go to Voodoo Donuts, and finally get some exercise at the CrossFit Pearl District. Now, even though the story technique could be used to memorize an unlimited number of things, you can just keep associating one thing with the next, with the next, with the next, and building a story that's super long and you'll never forget it, that's actually not the technique that most memory athletes use in competitions. And the reason for that is... The stories you make to memorize are kind of like a linked list. Now, if you're a programmer, you know what a linked list is, right? It's almost exactly the same as our story. We have one item connecting to the next, connecting to the next, connecting to the next, connecting to the next. And the problem with that is in order to recall any of the things we tried to memorize, we need to walk all the way through our entire story until we get there. It's really difficult to remember the fifth item or the 10th item or the last item or the third item. We need to continually walk through our story over and over and over again if we want to recall a specific thing in our list. Well, if we were programming and we wanted to solve this, we would use an array or a hash, right? We would use some kind of data storage where we have a key that we can look up and get our values. So with an array, we can just look up the key at five, and it's going to give us back the value that we put there, right? Memory athletes have realized this as well, and they use keys for all of their memories, and those keys are locations. So not only are our minds very good at associating things and associating any one thing to any other thing, and we can do this ourselves by using imagination, our memories are also amazing at locations and remembering locations. For example, if I were to ask you, What have you done today? For most people, we're going to close our eyes and imagine ourselves getting out of bed and maybe walking over to the stove and making our breakfast and then maybe making our coffee and then taking that over to the table and then drinking our coffee and then opening our computer, working on our computer. Maybe we go work out now. So we imagine ourselves walking out of our front door, going to the elevator, going down, going outside, now walking to the gym, and then we're exercising. We're remembering all the exercises we did. Maybe we did some bench press. Maybe we then went outside and ran a little bit. So the way that we remember most of the time is by visualizing ourselves traveling through all the places we've been and then recalling the things we did when we were there. Our brains automatically remember 
all the locations we've been to and then associate all the things we're doing with the location that we're doing them in. Another example, if you were to grab a piece of paper and a pen and then sit down at a table and try really hard, you can probably draw a very accurate blueprint of your house. And you might also be able to draw a really accurate blueprint of your work or your grocery store or your gym or any other place that you go to. You could probably also draw any walking routes that you do all the time or any bus routes that you take or any other location that you visit all the time. So not only are our memories automatically remembering the locations we've been to and associating the things that we're doing with those locations, but they're also connecting each of those locations to each other and constantly building a blueprint of every place we've been. And all of this happens automatically. It takes no effort on our part to remember the things we've done today, especially if they were interesting or unique. So now that we understand that our minds are amazing at both association and locations, we can put both of those two things together and learn the journey method. This is also known as the mind palace or the memory palace or the method of Loki. This is the most common technique that is used by memory athletes to break every world record that's ever existed. So to get started with this, just take a location that you're already familiar with. For most of us, this is going to be our house and pick a route through your house. For me, this starts with my front door and then my bathroom and then my kitchen, and then my living room, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That is my journey. And in order to memorize a list of things, you close your eyes and imagine yourself walking that journey from one room to the next, and you imagine each item in the list in one of those rooms. So for our list of five things, Powell's books, riding a bike over one of the eight bridges, going to a microbrew, visiting Voodoo Donuts, and then getting a workout in at CrossFit Pearl District, we can probably remember all those things by using our house. So we close our eyes, imagine walking into the bathroom, and here we want to remember Powell's books. So all we need to do is quickly visualize books interacting with the things in our bathroom. So I might look over in my shower and just see the bathtub filled with books, water running and books are floating around in the water, or maybe there's writing on the shower walls. That might also make me think of a book. Maybe you look over at the toilet and there's little micro brews floating in the water and foam coming out over the toilet seat. That'd be an easy way to remember micro brews. And maybe we walk out of our bathroom now and we're in the entryway of the apartment and we look down at the little rack that we put our shoes on and it's bursting in flames and above it we have a little grill and we're cooking donuts on it and frosting is dripping down into the flames and then we walk out of our entryway and into our kitchen and we imagine ourselves picking up the refrigerator and squatting with it on our back it's really heavy and we can continue to do that walking around from one room to the next visualizing each of the things that we want to remember in the order that we want to remember them and now to recall our memories we rewind our trip back to the beginning and just walk around our house. And each thing that we visualized, each memory, is just going to be waiting there for us. Now, the trick to getting good with the journey method is to not try too hard. Don't actually try to remember anything. Remember, our brains automatically work with associations and locations. This takes no effort at all. Just imagine walking from one room to the next and quickly visualizing. Don't dwell on it too much. And with enough practice, you'll be able to very quickly memorize any number of things that you want to memorize. 
Once you get a journey that you're really comfortable with and you really like, you can just keep reusing that every single day to memorize whatever it is you want to memorize. If you've got something you want to memorize for a long term, then you can create a journey specially for that thing and put all the things you want to remember on that journey and then not use that route for anything else. And just go back and review it every now and then and you can remember that list forever. Most memory athletes, right before they go to a competition, they'll build up five or six or seven journeys. That way they have a journey they can take for every event at the competition. And that's it. That's the journey method. That is the most complicated, most powerful technique that you could possibly learn to memorize anything that you want to memorize. The most common route that I use is a running route that I take. It's about three miles long. And I have a location every few feet or so, like a fire hydrant, a tree, an apartment building, a railroad crossing. And that's enough locations to memorize almost anything that I ever want to memorize. So if you can come up with a route and get really comfortable with that route and figure out which points along that route are number five, which point is number 10, which point is number 15, you can memorize anything you want. You can know what the fifth item is, what the tenth item is. You can know what comes after this thing, what comes before this thing. It's really powerful, and it's really fast. So have fun memorizing stuff. In some later episodes, I'm going to show you how to take some of those more difficult things to memorize, like numbers and playing cards, things that are hard to visualize, and show you how to turn that into a picture that you can more easily visualize. But for now, this will get you going with most stuff that you'd ever want to remember. You can find the show notes for this week's episode at healthyhacker.com slash six. And if you have any questions or comments or just want me to talk about something on the show, send me a voicemail at healthyhacker.com slash voicemail. 